illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here we'll tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me as always from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. Beej, how are you doing today? Bill, you ain't going to believe this shit. Okay. So, so I had a fairly busy day today. Uh, had, had my annual board meeting that I go to. Oh, yeah, that's right. And and then I had to go to work. And I worked for like five hours. It's dark out. I'm in Woodburn. And as I'm driving towards the bridge. Now, do you know the bridge in Woodburn? The overpass? The, the, the overpass, yeah. Okay, yeah. You know how it's lit up. Yeah. With lights, right? Yeah. So, and they change the color frequently. So, like, on the 4th of July, it's red, white, and blue. I think on Cinco de Mayo, they, they make it, like, red and green and white, you know, for for Mexican flag. And and uh, so, it changes, right? Okay. Guess what color it was today? Orange and black? Green and yellow. You're kidding me. No. I shit you not, Billy. Green and freaking yellow. Now, I don't know if they call that shit in like a, a day or two in advance or what, but I'm like, what the hell is this, right? And Or so they, then, they programmed it in with about eight minutes to go in the third quarter? Maybe that's what they did. <laughs> so, and then, to, to make matters worse, I go over to Chipotle to go get dinner, right? Okay. And I walk into Chipotle because they don't have a drive-thru because it's inconvenient that way. And I'm like, you know what? I want a bowl. And so I'm like, I'll take white rice. And it just I tell them white rice, chicken, queso, green cheese, sour cream, lettuce. Right? That's that's my order. Green cheese? Uh, it's green salsa. Oh, okay. So they got you got corn, you got pico, and you got green. I just green. So green cheese, sour cream, lettuce. 
and I need a small bag of chips. Now he's already made this thing, right? Pretty much done. I said, need a small bag of chips. Um, we're out of chips. Why do you think I was buying the bowl? I don't. You, you, you eat it like nachos, right? That's what I do with a bowl. I don't know. That's, I don't go to Chipotle. I know, but you can appreciate the fact, right? No, because I would just order nachos. Uh, well, they don't make nachos there. Oh, that's probably why I don't go to Chipotle. Well, there you go. But this, this, you know, I like to control my distribution. Yes, my yes, but doesn't the rice on chips uh, interfere with your carbs on carbs theory? It, it is a little bit tough, but it it holds everything together. It actually, so like I put the I put the rice on my tacos there too because it absorbs the salsa. Otherwise, the crap leaks all over when you're driving down the road in the car. Well, tacos and Mexican food are not a car-friendly food to begin with. I make them car-friendly, Billy. I make them car-friendly. Because if you're going to eat in your car and eat tacos, you can't be in motion. You have to be stopped. I'm pretty good. I can do it. Eh, I wouldn't do that. The only thing I would do, and I've done it on occasion, is like something for breakfast. Okay. Like It's like a breakfast burrito because those don't tend to be as gooey. But the problem is I like to add hot sauce to my to each bite so that makes that tough well see that's one of my problems is like the soft tacos i can manage through taco bell but like if i want a crisp taco at taco time taco time is a bit tougher to eat while you drive that's where you got to get the crispy burrito crispy burrito yeah that would be easy to eat while you're driving yeah yes. but again <laughs> but anyway but again I hard to add the hot sauce but but i digress okay so i'm still in the chipotle here right and yeah. he's like we have chips and i'm like yeah we're done i'm good bye <laughs> i just walked out he's like Okay, I'm like, why didn't you tell me? You know, it's like, why didn't you tell me you didn't have chips when I got there? Well, because most people don't come in for chips. Freaking a! There's they they got hardly anything on the menu. Chipotle doesn't even have a dessert, right? So if you're out of an item, I, how tough is it to say? Oh, by the way, sir, we're out of chips. Because if you would have said we're out of chips, I'd be like, oh, I'll have taco, I'll have a burrito. I wouldn't have gotten the bowl. And I was already jazzed for the bowl at this point in time because it was all assembled for me. And I'm like, yeah, screw it. I'm done. But I, I don't think people normally get the chips with the bowl. Hmm. I just, I just, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah. Or put up a sign up. Sorry, we're out of chips. But why don't they have chips? Don't they make them fresh? Uh, well, apparently they ran out of the chips to die. So anyway, so, so top of no Chipotle and a freaking green and yellow goddamn bridge. Yeah. It's like adding insult to injury damn right so anyway just just shocked on that one i'm like i mean because again i'm like dude i did a double i'm looking like one what the hell did they not see the score well did somebody did i read right where some uh news uh some some newspaper or i should say online pay i don't know what you call it online news uh did they release like a duck statement like the duck i believe the statesman journal did yeah which is out of uh, Eugene. A little premature on that one, but I guess that happens a lot to the people of Eugene. Yeah. I believe I believe it said something about Oregon winning. I believe they, they, they posted something. I think it was the Statesman Journal, Same if thing. I saw right. Anyways, let's get on with the show, Beats. Uh, the purpose oh. of illegal participation is us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting and fun every week. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any other podcatcher. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email to HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, or HeinrichTailgator on Facebook, where 
you can get pictures and updates of our great tailgaters and all our great tailgating food. Yes. And and a lot of my sarcastic comments. There you go. All right, Beads, uh, let's start with a little bit of Beaver Sports News. Are you ready? I, I am I am ready. I, Billy, I'm, I'm still living a little bit of a high right now, so go ahead and hit me with it. What do we got? All right. We'll start with a little bit of women's volleyball. Okay. Okay, Beach. The B volleyball team on Wednesday evening at Maples Pavilion in Palo Alto fought number six Stanford for four sets, but eventually fell to the Cardinal. For the 13th time in Pac-12 action, Michael Vernon led the Beavs in kills of 13. Freshman Kinley Swan had 11, and Katerina Tachenko joined Vernon in double figures with 10 on the offensive end. Then Beach on the season finale of their 2022 season, Oregon mm-hmm. State took on the number 10 Oregon Ducks at Matthew Knight Arena. And? They fell in straight sets. The Bees were unable to contain the top five Oregon hitting attack as the Ducks hit 410 in the match and held Oregon State to their second lowest dig total in the season at just 27 in the match. Oregon State concluded the 2022 season at 7-23 on the year, 2-18 in Pac-12 action. 2-18. Yep. I guess it's better than 0-20. Yep. And Beach, let's move on to some women's basketball. Ah, something more positive. Well, Beach. Oregon State stayed within striking distance of number nine, Iowa, for a majority of Friday night's PK Legacy Tournament game, but the Hawkeyes pulled away late to hand OSU a 73-59 loss. Talia Van Olhoffen led OSU in scoring with 22 points, while Shalexis Aaron had her best game as a beeve with 17 points on 6 of 8 shooting from the field and 3 of 4 from the three-point land. Jelena Mitrovic did yeoman's work on the boards, grabbing a career-high 14 points despite physical play underneath the basket. Then on Sunday night, Beavs, just tonight, and I don't have a lot on this game because it literally just got over, the Beavs took on Duke in their final game of the PK Legacy Tournament where they lost 54-41. to The Beavs are now 4-2 and on the season. Mm. That's not good. No, it's not. But we can move on to men's basketball, Beach. I heard they uh, played Duke real well. Yeah, Beach. Uh, the Oregon State men's basketball team battled number eight Duke for the full 40 minutes as the Bees fell 54 to 51 Thursday afternoon at the Memorial Coliseum in Portland. Oregon State was within one with 16 seconds to play, and neither side led by more than six in the entire contest. The Bees' defense was strong throughout the game, as OSU held Duke to 26.7% shooting from the floor and 17.2% shooting from beyond the arc. Jordan Pope led the Bees with 14 points and five rebounds as he extended his run to five consecutive double-digit scoring games to begin his collegiate career. Then, Beach, uh, the Oregon State men's basketball team fell to Florida 81-68 to at Moda Center on Friday in the second day of the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Freshman Jordan Pope scored in double figures for the sixth straight time to start his young career, finishing with 12 points and five assists. Tyler Billadou came up with 12 points on five for eight shooting, while Michael Rattage rounded out three OSU freshman double figures with 11 points and four rebounds, knocking down five of his six field goal attempts. 
and Beej, as we speak, the Beavs are wrapping up the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament, taking on Portland State. So are they playing in both Moda and Memorial Coliseum? Yes, because there was quite a few teams up there. Wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so it was a big tournament. There was a lot of teams. Purdue was up there. Duke. I mean, you had some uh, quality uh, quality teams up there. And right now, Beach, the Beavs are taking on Portland State as we speak. It's in the second half. There is 246 remaining. And the Beavs are down 65 to 78. Ooh, not good. Nope. So it looks like, and you guys will know who are listening to this on Tuesday, the Bees will probably be three and four on the year. But you never can tell, Billy. No, it's true. It's true. You could be you could be down by three, four scores in third and come back. True. True, true, true. But uh, there's now two twenty two to play and they're still down by thirteen. Yeah. Okay. How about wrestling, Billy? Uh, no wrestling this week, Beach. Um, some sports took the week off for the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Gotcha, gotcha. But we do have a little bit of weird uh, football news. Um, and I don't know if anybody, if people that weren't in Corvallis knew about it, or if they were in Corvallis, maybe they didn't know about it. I don't know if they talked about it on the TV broadcast. But, Beach, um, the power was knocked out to a good chunk of Corvallis on Saturday, including Research Stadium before the game. I, I heard about this. Our one, uh, our one fan um, actually messaged us. We kind of we both missed it because we were busy. Yeah. But uh, he was concerned that uh, we were not going to have power. Yeah, but we obviously at the tailgater we have. Uh, Ge- generator. Generator. Yeah, so we're okay there. But yeah, so it was knocked out to a good chunk of Corvallis, including a good chunk of um, the uh, campus, including Research Stadium. Now I don't know, Beach. Did we ever lose? power at where we were i mean we had the lights on i don't recall ever seeing the lights the the parking lot lights were on the whole time but so unless when the sun came up they got shut off i never saw it yeah and i was looking back i took a picture of um of our tailgater early on in the morning when it was still dark and the fire was going Mm -hmm. and uh you can see the glow from research behind us yeah, so I so don't know. So it was it was going on then. Yeah, so I don't know when it when it went out. But it was they the power was restored at least to uh, Research Stadium so the game went off on time. So. So there's that. I just thought that was interesting. I didn't know if people, you know, if how many people actually knew that that had happened. Yeah, yeah. So, hey Billy. Yes, speech. Do you hear that? I do. All right, hold on here. Hold on. Billy. Yes, Beach. This just in. I can't wait. 911 called due to Thanksgiving weekend emergency. Eugene paramedics responded to a 911 call Saturday afternoon at the house of Orlando Gunn. Mr. Gunn, who goes by the nickname Ori, was found unconscious lying next to a very large half-eaten turkey leg. Upon arrival, the EMTs immediately began trying to revive Mr. Gunn. They were successful after about 15 minutes. We asked the EMTs what caused the issue. They said apparently Ori Gunn choked on the big one after (laughs) gnawing on it for a few hours. The 
This has been. Oh, hey, Billy. Billy, do you hear that? Yes, Beach. There's another one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. (sighs) Hold on. Oh, Billy. Yes, Beach. Teletype's working overtime this week. (laughs) Okay. This just in. Southwest Airlines publicly complains of disrespectful customers and canceled flights from Oregon. In a strange turn of events, Southwest is canceling flights this week due to a lack of customers and not pilots. Apparently, thousands of Oregon residents, primarily from the Eugene area, are start, started canceling flight reservations late Saturday afternoon. Southwest says why they don't know what caused the sudden request. They said the customers were quite rude and discourteous to the customer service representatives and kept mentioning something about semi-aquatic mammal in the middle of mating. <laughs> And this oh. has been your Heinrich Tailgater update oh. from Eugene. Oh yeah, that, that was a good one, Beach. I, I, yeah, Oregon <laughs> choked on the big one. He did choke on the big one. Yeah, and effing beavers, I take it, huh? Uh, yeah, but yeah. No. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh. All right, Beach. Well, with that update, are you ready to go under further review for week number thirteen in the Pac-12? After further review. The runner did cross the line. Touchdown. I, I am. You know, Billy, you know, I, I sometimes uh, our podcasts, I, you know, I'm so busy, but I do. I do appreciate our quality hour here together of, of yeah. bullshit. So <laughs> it is. I look okay. forward to it. I, you know, I like, looked I was looking forward to this yesterday. Uh, uh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, I was can't too. wait till record tomorrow. Because <laughs> it was a perfect week it was a perfect weekend <laughs> was it not i i got a couple texts from people who i've told about our perfect our perfect uh a week weekend uh-huh. um uh how we you know what we define a perfect weekend and i got people text me going it was a perfect week and i go <laughs> i know we only needed uh. one game for it to be perfect this week all right beach well heading into this week um with our picks you were in the lead at 54 out of 72, I think. I was at 52, and Kyle was at 50. I hate you, Kyle. And uh, we'll see what happened. Um, so this was week 13, the final week of the regular season. Pretty much all rivalry games. Mm-hmm. And first up, we had a couple games on Friday, November 25th. We had Arizona State at Arizona. You know, I'm ignorant on this one. Uh, but, uh, Kyle and I picked ASU and you went on the, on the wild side and did Arizona. Well, Beach, Arizona running back, Michael Riley ran for 214 yards and three touchdowns and Arizona beat Arizona state 38 to 35 on Friday to end a five game losing streak in the territorial cup rivalry. The Wildcats twice led by 10 points and led Arizona State back into it both times in a wild game that featured 1,018 combined yards. Jeez, me now, Christmas. Yeah. So, Wy- so defense was not a strong point by either team. Exactly. Wiley was Arizona's workhorse, finishing the, with the second most rushing yards in Territorial Cup history behind Trunk Candidates 288 for Arizona in 1998. Now, the Wildcats ran for 280 yards to offset a rare quiet passing day by Jane Delora capping a turnaround season after going one and 11 a year ago. 
Now, Trenton Bourget threw for 376 yards and three touchdowns for Arizona State in Sean Aguano's final game as interim coach. Now, the Sun Devils got the ball back at their own 28-yard line with 133 left, but Bourget threw a second interception after being hit. Hmm. Then, just this morning, Beach, Arizona State had a press conference where they announced at Sun Devil Stadium that graduate, uh, Arizona State graduate and current Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham would become the new head football coach for the Sun Devils. Wow. Now, in that press conference, um, Dillingham said that he was going to retain Sean Aguano for the Sun Devils staff, and he also said that he will not be coaching in the Ducks Bowl game. Huh. Yeah. So I find that kind of interesting. Why? Why? Uh, if I don't mean, uh, I don't mean to sound stupid. So he's keeping he's keeping the interim coach on on the staff. Yeah. Okay. Assuming he feels he's a good coach. good candidate. Yep. Yeah. And I think um, the players liked him. Why would you not finish up the bowl game? Um, be a distraction. A lot of times they don't. Okay. A lot of times they don't. With a lot of um, bowl game practices, it's more to get more practice time for the young guys. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he wants to go out and get started on his team. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. So, but will he uh, – oh, that's right. I was going to say, will he be coaching in the championship game? But, Billy, Oregon's not in the championship game. We'll be getting to that in a little bit, Beach. <laughs> Uh, next up, we had a second game on Friday. We had UCLA at Cal. Literally, and, little brother at big brother. And we all picked uh, we all picked UCLA for this one. Yes, Beach. UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson ran for two touchdowns and passed for another as number 17 UCLA rallied from an 11-point deficit to beat Cal 35-28 to on Friday. Now, the Bruins finished with 541 yards of offense, including 352 on the ground, and rebounded from a narrow defeat to USC last week that eliminated them from league title contention. Now, Thompson Robinson passed for 189 yards and gained another 88 on the ground. Running back Zach Charbonnet rushed for 119 yards and a score, and he converted a fourth and two run in Cal territory late in the game that chewed up valuable time. Now, T.J. Harden also added 89 yards rushing on 12 carries for the Bruins. Now, Cal quarterback Jack Plummer threw for 294 yards and four touchdowns, while Jeremiah Hunter had eight catches for 153 yards and two scores. Hmm. I'm just surprised UCLA had to come back from behind. Yeah. So that must have been a little nerve-wracking for him. Probably. Probably. So. So we all got the win there. Next speech, all the rest of the games were on Saturday the 26th. Up first, Utah at Colorado. Well, this was pretty much a no-brainer. We all picked Utah, and less, less uh, lightning bolts and you know locusts came flying out. I don't think there was a chance that Utah was going to lose it. Yeah, this was kind of, and this is one of those rivalry games that's kind of made up. You know, because Utah because and Colorado, they came in together in the Pac-12. Yeah, so it's like, oh, you yeah. guys are going to be rivals now. Well, Beach. The loudest roar from the Utah fans came at the end of a blowout of Colorado at Folsom Field and had nothing to do with what was happening on the field. It followed the scoreboard flashing Oregon State and Oregon's final score. 
So for Utah, a big hurdle had been cleared. Now, in the end, all the variables Utah needed to have happen in order to get a spot in the Pac-12 championship game fell perfectly in line. That included the final one long after leaving the stadium. Utah quarterback Cam Rising threw three touchdown passes Saturday before taking a seat for the second half. Jaquindon Jackson ran for three scores, and number 14 Utah routed Colorado 63-21 on a night that culminated with the Utes securing the last spot in the conference title game. Now, Utah entered the weekend with an outside shot at getting a chance to defend its league title. But things started falling into place when number 17 UCLA did its part for Utah by defeating Cal on Friday. Then a big assist Cal, by Oregon. Cal, how, how was that a factor? You, the, because UCLA, I didn't realize UCLA was in the, was in the, they weren't in the market. Well, they weren't, but they had to win to help Utah out. Okay. Because Utah needed a three-way tie. They needed a oh. tie. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh-huh. Okay. They needed so all they were, they really threaded the needle. Yes. Yes. Because they they uh, they they needed the three-way tie, but they also needed UCLA to be one of the tiebreakers. So if UCLA they, they needed to go over the the Huskies. Correct. Otherwise, if UCLA didn't win, then the Huskies would have topped them. Probably, yeah. I think that's how it would because worked. because there was no because on that three way three way game they were the team that beat them. Wow, what a mess! Yeah, chaos, okay. Beach. I love it. it. It was freaking a. Well, I just you know, and I was I was sitting uh, the well the guy that Kyle knows that was that was next to us. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, well, I I told him when we were standing there in the when we were standing here. I looked at him. I said, you know, there's 11 teams in this freaking conference that are rooting for us right now. <laughs> I will. We'll talk about so, that, too. Some for their own self-interest. What? I will talk about that later, too. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, OK, go on, Billy. Sorry. All right, Beach. Uh, we all got the win there. Next up, Notre Dame at USC. Yeah, this was an interesting one. We all picked uh, USC. Um, how'd that one turn out? Cause Notre Dame's kind of a nomad. Yep. Well, beach USC quarterback, Caleb Williams polished his Heisman credentials with 232 yards passing and four total touchdowns as number five USC capped its outstanding regular season under new coach Lincoln Riley by staying firmly in the college football playoff race with a 38 to 27 victory over number 13 Notre Dame on Saturday night. Now Taj Washington caught an early TD bass from Williams while USC ended its four-game losing streak in its famed intersectional rivalry with the Irish. The Coliseum was packed with fans of both teams, but USC's faithful had a night that recalled this long-struggling program's glittering past. Now, the night felt like a Heisman coronation from Williams, who iced it with 235 to play by sprinting 16 yards through the heart of the defense for his school-record 44th total touchdown. Now, Williams was serenaded with frequent trance of Heisman, Heisman from the Coliseum crowd, which has cheered seven previous Heisman winners in this school's fable history. And at one, uh, one point, Beach, after he had scored, he came off the uh, field on the sideline and threw the Heisman pose. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it's overhyped, and I think that's low class myself. I but agree. I guess. 
you, you know, you, you look at, I remember, what was it, was it Marcus Mariota, but they, the Oregon boosters paid for a, a billboard somewhere. That was Joey Harrington. Early on. Was that Joey Harrington? I just, I just always remember, you know, it, it's, it's such a political thing. Yeah, I agree. You know, you, you got to promote me. I mean, I go back, I, I like Joe Theismann's real name is Joe Theismann. Yeah. But they changed his name to Theismann, so it rhymed with Heisman, so they could win it. So it was Theismann for the Heisman. Mm -hmm. And uh, literally, they changed the man's name as a marketing move to try to get him notoriety for the Heisman. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It means about <laughs> as much to me as the college championship game. So, <clears throat> All right, Beach, so we all got the win there. Uh, next up, we had Washington at Washington State in the Apple Cup. Ooh, the classic Apple Cup. And Kyle and I, hey, you, Kyle, we uh, we picked the dogs because, well, we like to pick winners. And you picked the Cougs, who apparently aren't. Well, Beach, Washington State's one-year reign as Apple Cup champion came to a bitter end and the Cougars' 2022 regular season concluded with a thud. Washington's high-powered offense outclassed a typically strong Cougars defense during a 51-33 decision Saturday night at Gesa Field. Now, the Cougs had their worst defensive showing of the year. Not only that, Wazoo had one of its worst defensive performances of the past two decades. UW mm. amassed 703 yards on 67 snaps for an average of wow. 10.5 yards per play. UW's, yep, UW's prolific offense sliced through a Wazoo defense that had been one of the Pac-12's best for much of the season. The Cougs led the conference in scoring defense and sat in the upper half in each of the league's defensive stat categories. But Wazoo had no answers for Huskies quarterback Michael Pennitz Jr. and his star-studded receiving corps. The Cougs surrendered a season-high 485 passing yards. UW pass catchers used double moves to shake off Wazoo defensive backs, and Penix often had a clean pocket to unleash deep balls. Now, Wazoo scored on five of six. You said, you said, you said deep balls. Yep. Wazoo okay, scored on five of six drives in the first half and registered 304 yards during its most productive half of the year. But they came up empty on four or five drives in the second half, punting three times and committing a late turnover on downs. Wazoo capitalized on a third-quarter takeaway at midfield for its lone scoring drive of the second half. The only second-half TD from the Cougars' first-team offense over the past four weeks. Otherwise, Washington State only netted 110 yards on 30 plays across four second-half possessions. Wow. Yep. So it's just, not a good showing for the Cougs. Uh, did not look good in the second half. It was actually pretty close at halftime, and it was back and forth. There's a bunch of lead changes, and but yeah. But then uh, hmm. Washington killed them at the end. All right, so you got the you guys got the win there. Last up, Beach, BYU at Stanford. Ooh, and I saw some interesting news out of Stanford today. Okay, well, who did you pick? Well, we all picked BYU. Correct, we did. <laughs> BYU quarterback Jaron Hall threw two touchdown passes and ran for another score before leaving with an ankle injury to lead BYU to a 35-26 victory over Stanford on Saturday night. 
The Cougs scored touchdowns on their first four possessions to take control in their regular season finale and assure themselves of a winning record for the fourth straight season. Now, BYU did much of its damage on the ground with 358 yards rushing against a depleted defense for the Cardinal. Now, Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee threw for 313 yards in a TD. Mitch Liegeber and Ashton Daniels scored on one-yard runs for Stanford. But it wasn't enough to prevent the Cardinal from posting back-to-back seasons with at least nine losses for the first time in school history. And then, after arriving unusually late for his post-game news conference, Stanford head coach David Shaw said he had just told his team in the locker room he was stepping down. Stanford was 14-28 over the past four seasons after going 82-26 in Shaw's first eight. The 50-year-old Stanford alumnus leaves the program as the winningest coach with 96 victories in 12 seasons. You know, I've always liked him. I've always thought he's um, been a very classy coach. I, I was just going to say a class act. He's always... He, you, you never see him get riled. He's always been very respectful of, of his competition. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really made Stanford for quite a few years there a major contender in the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, all, always uh, always uh, given his opponents challenges. And I don't know what's happened over the last few years where, where his team has struggled. And it's a shame because um, I don't think it's um, reflective of, of really – what he has done for for Stanford. Yeah, we'll see how Stanford does with the whole name image likeness situation and the transfer portal. We'll just see how that works out for him. It's going to be tough. Now, if uh, really just, just because you think a lot of people are going to bail, I just don't know how they're going to compete. Um, they have such strict academic uh things needed to get in there it makes that Mm -hmm. tough but also the whole name image likeness i don't know how much they want to play in that pool you know what i mean because really if they wanted to turn on the the money hose they've got more billionaire alums of stanford than the rest of the pac-12 combined what what's to stop a booster from paying these players directly under name, image likeness. Not much. I mean, I, I still feel like when was it Kilkenny and, and Phil Knight set up their little company, mm-hmm. like, like, are you guys just a middleman to, to recruit and pay? Kind of looks like it. I mean, basically that's how USC got Caleb Williams. You know, really? he, he played one year at Oklahoma last year. And and got a huge uh, name image likeness pot of money, and then from, he from left a, from from some kind of booster from, company from whatever of, from whatever yeah. And then he turned around and followed Lincoln Riley, who left Oklahoma to become USC's coach to come over to USC, and then they went out and paid for last year's Bolitnikoff Award winner to transfer over. I mean, it's what they did. It is what it is. Yeah. And it's just, I don't like it. Like I said, it's becoming a less organized version of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's gross. And it's destroying the reason well, why I love college football. You know, it reminds me of when we we'd talk about uh, Lance Armstrong and, and uh, or no, I think, was it Lance Armstrong or just all of it? You know, it's like, screw it. Just 
use all the storage you want. Write yourself out. Let's see what humans can do, right? Yeah, that's what I've said and, for a while. Let's let's push yeah, and, let's push the human the human body to, you know, it's as the precipice as a far of it can go with science yeah. and everything and just see what we can get out of you. You're going to die yeah. by the time you're 42, but here you go. <laughs> but you'll be in the record books for a while. Um, but uh, that that's kind of where I feel like we've done this. If we've just taken out all restrictions, all rules, and it's just, it's just, let's, let's let the money do what the money's going to do and see what happens. And I don't know. It's, it's seems to me like we're, it's going to be even worse than, the NFL. I agree. Because do you even, I mean, cause the NFL has salary caps, doesn't it? Yep. College football doesn't. So nope. what's to stop the USC's uh, of the world from just paying for the best. And kind of like what we talked about before in the, in the days of scholarships, they would give scholarships to the, all the best players, even if they weren't going to play them, it would keep them away from them playing for their competitors. Uh-huh. So what's them to stop them from doing that again? Hey, we're going to make you rich. You're not going to make it to the second level. You probably won't play that much, but you know, we're still going to give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to a, a starving college kid, that's, that's looking like big money. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like where it's going. Crazy. All right, Beach. So finishing up our regular season totals, we all finished up two apart. Kyle at 55 out of 78, me at 57 out of 78 and you at 59 out of 78. Not bad. Yeah, pretty close. All right. One more game to talk about, Beach. The rivalry game, formerly known as the Civil War, Oregon at Oregon State. Do you, do you Hold to, on, Billy. Do you, get, do you want me to I, go? I'm getting a little excited. I need, I need, to, I need to adjust myself here because I'm a little, little too excited. Ugh. A little, okay. All little, right. little too messy. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Chuck going on there. Exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Beans. So, Oregon State running back, third string, I might add, Isaiah Newell ran for the go-ahead touchdown with 8-11 remaining, and number 22 Oregon State took advantage of critical mistakes in the fourth quarter by Oregon to rally for a 38-34 victory on Saturday. The Beavs trial, uh, the Beavs trailed 31-10 late in the third quarter and 34-17 early in the fourth. But the Ducks gave their rivals a short field on three consecutive possessions. Oregon State converted all three drives into touchdowns without attempting a single pass. Oregon State concluded by far its best regular season under fifth-year head coach Jonathan Smith, who took over a program that went 1-11 in 2017. Now, Oregon, State, uh, Oregon State's third turnover, a fumble by Treshawn Harrison after a one-yard reception, gave the Ducks a short field. Kicker Camden Lewis converted a 42-yard field goal, extending their lead to 31-10 with 4.46 left in the third quarter. Oregon gave up a 48-yard kickoff return by Silas Bolden, but Oregon gave up a 48-yard kickoff return by Silas Bolden, and a face mask penalty set up Oregon State at the Ducks' 36. That's when Newell ran for a 15-yard touchdown to make it 34 to 24. On their next possession, Oregon punter Alex Bales dropped the snap and fell on the ball at his own two. Two plays later. Quarterback Ben Gilbranson pounded it in from the one to get Oregon State at 34-31. Oregon then went for it on fourth and one at its own 29. And Bo Nix was stopped for a one-yard loss on the Ducks' only called quarterback run of the game. Now, Newell scored for the Bees four plays later with a convoy of blockers 
helping him to push him into the end zone from six yards out. That that, uh, proved to be the winning difference. Now, Oregon State ran for 268 yards and five touchdowns in the game, overcoming a lack of a passing game because they only threw for 60 yards in that game. So who and, and what two interceptions and two interceptions two interceptions and a fumble in the passing game basically yeah yeah now for the Beavs running back Damian Martinez yeah. led the way with 103 yards of 15 carries before being sidelined with some kind of knee injury now that was his sixth consecutive 100 yard game now Gil Branson threw just six of 13 for 60 yards with the two interceptions but he did run for two scores and Isaiah Newell scored two touchdowns on his only two carries of the game. Now for Oregon, Bo Nix passed for 327 yards and two touchdowns and Oregon finished with 470 total yards. But Nix's limited mobility because of a right ankle injury was obviously a major factor. Now after Oregon state's go ahead score, Nix drove the ducks to the beeves too. But Jordan James was stuffed for a one yard loss on third down. And then on fourth down, Nix passed, Intended for Troy Franklin, the end zone was low and incomplete. Now get that, Beach. The Beavs threw no passes in their final five drives. They rushed. <laughs> they rushed 19 yards for 143. Or they were, excuse me. They rushed 19 times for 143 yards and four TDs in those final five drives. And Beach, on the game, the Beavs had 205 rushing yards. Before contact. Right? Really? Yeah. That means they were at 205 yards before they were ever touched when running the ball. The Beavs' defense also held Oregon to 0-5 on fourth down. And another stat that I found interesting, Beach, the sack the Beavs had of Bo Nix in the second quarter, mm-hmm. that was only the fourth sack, fourth sack, that the Ducks had given up all season. Wow. Yeah. That offensive line is pretty damn amazing. And they did a good job of keeping Knicks pretty uh he, he wasn't harassed too horribly. No, and no. Well, and trying. one thing is he's he was making pretty quick uh passes. Yeah, they played a lot so. of it a lot of the game he was in shotgun and making quick reads mm-hmm. and quick throws. And he does throw a freaking bullet. No, he's he's a talented quarterback. I, yeah. I I hope for now is he a senior? Yes. I I hope for his sake his ankle heals up and he, he does well uh, in the draft. He he's got the talent. Mm. So. But I anyways. hate to see a guy's injury uh, hurt him well. and when it comes to uh, finding a future. But anyway, you know, Billy, we were in the third quarter, and. Um, we're down by, I think at that point, four scores, right? Because they, they scored that field goal before we scored a touchdown, correct? No, nah, it was 31. It was 31 to 10. Okay. And then it was 34 to 17 because the beef scored and then the Ducks went down okay. and kicked a field goal. Okay. Well, when, when we were down by three scores, I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, it's third quarter. We were playing well, but I didn't think we were playing well enough to recover those kind of points. And I'm just like, I, I, I'm just like, this, this sucks. I said a little prayer to God. I said, please let us win this game if there's any way possible. Um, but in my mind, I was just getting ready for a, a, a depressing end to the game. I'm like, at least, at least let us put some points on the board so that it doesn't look as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because this team deserves better than this. And then, you know, and I, somebody was telling me that because they were listening, watching on TV and, and they said, you know, after the beef scored the one touchdown, the noise in the stadium got louder and, and then they scored the next touchdown and it got louder. And then, I mean, and I was shocked. I, the whole damn stadium was into that game. Yeah, I think I think more so than I've ever seen any Civil War in my life. And it was only half the stadium. But I mean, I looked around and I mean, just everybody was screaming. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, so good. So and I couldn't believe and I mean, I looked at you and the when they went for it on that fourth down and one on the on the 30 and. I looked at you and I said, I don't get this. I, I don't understand this at all. Why would you risk turning over the ball, giving the, the opponent, the Beavers, easy position to score a field goal? Yeah, such I a mean, such a, on the 30. Yeah, because you're only up by a field goal at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, you're handing the Beavers a tie game if you don't make this play. Yeah. And I, and I, and I just, I couldn't, I still don't understand the logic. You told me at the time, you're like, maybe they're trying to put a dagger in it. Maybe they're just trying to just show the beeves that, that they're not going to let this go. Yeah. We're going to rip your heart out and you're going to be done. Yeah. And, uh, that's but all that I didn't can think. Out. Well, how'd, and, that, well how'd, how'd that work out for them? there, cotton. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> and as soon as they, as soon as they lined up, I called the play that Nick's was going to keep the ball. Oh yeah. Well, and again, that's what he did last week against Utah. And it's what the freaking ducks quarterback always does when they need one yard. Yep. Every freaking time since Joey Harrington, since Dixon, since yep. who was their last quarterback? Uh, they had last year. I don't remember. Yeah. Who was that? I don't remember, but it, it yeah. is, it is. But, it's, Oh, it's, but, it's, you've got, you've got an option. So, you can hand it off. Sneak. Yeah. Yep. You can hand it off or you can keep it on the option. And they almost always keep it. And as soon as they lined up, I'm like, they're going to run the same damn thing last as they did last week because you think, oh, the quarterback's hurt. He's not going to, you know, he's not, he's going to hand it off. And you don't think he watched the game films? Yep, exactly. And Jaden Grant for the Beavs played that damn thing perfectly. He, he, he was crowding the line. And as soon as Nick's pulled it back, he went up and made a beautiful tackle, dropping him for a one yard loss. That was a great play. Oh, so, Great play. I defense just well the whole uh, defense was doing fantastic. Oh, I agree. I Considering agree. Considering what they were given, I mean, a couple times they were given really short fields, and and I felt they did a damn good job. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Anyway, what a what a game. That was great. Yeah, like I said, it's yeah. one of the best games I've seen at at Research Stadium. It was probably since what maybe the Simonton game. No, I don't know if uh, for like Civil War. Yeah. Um. Probably. Well. Yeah, I mean, for just overall Civil War game, yeah, I, there was what two thousand four. Was that the one where the ball skidded across the field? Two thousand six, where they had to they had to block the uh, they had to block a punt. Late in the game, must have been 2006. They had to block a punt late in the game. Not a block a punt. Block a field goal late in the game. Yeah. To, to preserve the win. Yeah. Um, so that one was That's good. That's the one where the skidding across the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. They, 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 they blocked a, a, a field goal right, like, it might have been the last play of the game or I second, think it was the last play. Second and to the last play of the game. It was a long one, too. 
but that ball didn't even, I mean, it didn't even get up. I mean, it just went skidding across the field. And, yeah. And remember the, the crowd just erupting. Yeah. So, and, but was it, was it what double overtime with Simonton? Yeah. Is that for, right? So for probably drama, those are probably the top three played at, at, uh, yeah. at Reeser. Um, the last two minutes of, of last week's game, although uh, Saturday's game was, was a little uneventful when they were taking the victory formation, but boy, was that beautiful. Oh yeah. And they, he, Jonathan Smith played that perfectly, you know? And, and I tell you what, you know, the beeves just bullied Oregon yesterday. They just got up there and punched them in the nose. And if you look at the last three civil wars that the beeves have won, 2016 with Ryan Null punching them in the nose and mm-hmm. running the ball down their throat and the offensive line just beating their up front seven, 2016, 2020, the COVID year where Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson ran for like 250 yards or whatever, punching them in the nose, running the ball down their that damn throat. And this year, punching them in the nose, running the ball down their damn throat. I mean, how many times did you see the beef running backs just running over people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that was the one thing. They were, they weren't going down. They were fighting. They were oh, yeah. uh, like, like you said, what the the amount of yards before contact, how many yards after contact? Yeah. Well, and the beef scored five touchdowns in that game, and three of them, the guy running the ball in, was basically shoved in by the entire offensive line. How illegal is that? It's not. Okay, I was surprised. You can, on you that can one push. That... You can push. You can't pull. You can't pick up. But you can okay, push. So, so we push though. Yep. And so if you watch that, so Gil Branson had two quarterback sneaks for touchdowns. And if you watched what they did was he was under center. They brought a tight end in as a uh, in motion behind him, and he went one way. He turned, came back, and he snapped the ball with the tight end right behind him and the tight end just basically helped push him in the end zone. So you had the offensive Hmm. line in front of him pushing and then the tight end behind him pushing him to go. And I don't think people realize this. I saw this when the play happened. The second sneak that Gil Branson scored on, he lost the ball. He lost the ball. It literally, it popped up. I mean, it was by his head. It squirts up. He grabbed it in the air, brought it back down and was pushed into the end zone. Hey, one thing we didn't talk about, and I didn't get a chance to see, I saw some of the highlight reels, but they don't often go in detail on questionable calls. Mm-hmm. But uh, did that ball hit the turf? On that on that uh, first touchdown? Uh, there was that one, the, the, not no, not that one. Oh, that one pass the, play? Uh, I, I still, one I, pass down I, I have not seen that yet. Uh, we couldn't see it where we were. It kind of looked like it, but there was no one, no, no one's complained about that. The big complaint when it comes to calls was the um, non first down call, the spots on that first, first down call or the first, Mm -hmm. the third down play where it should have been a first down. Cause my thing I've, I've watched that play right now. They needed to get to, I believe maybe the four yard line. I think the four. I think so. But anyways, yeah, the Beavs needed to get to the four. Martinez ran off to the right side of the offense. Now, if you look at it, his knee lands in front of the five-yard line. And he's leaning forward as he goes down, right? He's not straight up Mm -hmm. and down. He's leaning forward. 
His knees on the ground. Now his knees fell on the ground. He's leaning forward. Now, did he get the first down mark? I don't know. But they marked the ball at the five-yard line. There was no way that ball was at the five-yard line. His knee was in front of the five-yard line. Yeah. It was just a horrible spot. And then they did that bullshit of bringing out the, the sticks to measure it. And you're like, that's what I dude, did, why are you measuring this? Understand. Yeah, like, yeah. what the hell is that? Apparently, your eyesight's so bad, not only can you not spot the ball, but you can't even tell if it's a first down or not once you spot it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... you can look at it. The ball's at the five. You can look off to the side and see that the stick for the first down stick is at the four. It's not yeah. even close, so what are you doing? But anyways, yeah. So and that was that was a blown call. It was a blown call. It was It was garbage. Now, did he get the first down? I don't know, but I know he got at least a half yard more than you're saying. And, 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 and if you, put, you move that ball up a half more yard, that changes the play call. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing the direct snap to Martinez, maybe they put Gil Branson under center and run a sneak. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, anyways, I just, it, it was, it was garbage. It was garbage. So anything else to say about that game, Beach? I, I'm still just in awe. I, 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 again, by in the middle of the third, I'm just like, it's, it's over. It's over. I've never been so redeemed in my life. Yeah. It was so, pretty bleak there uh, in the that, middle of the third quarter. Yeah, it was, it was, was so bleak. And yeah. it was so awesome. So, you know, I put, uh, I put my uh, Oregon state flag up. I think I mentioned it on the podcast like a week or two ago. Yeah, it looks good. And uh, I, I took a picture the, of it today because it was the, the wind was blowing and it just looked mighty sexy up there. Yeah, it totally did. So, and so, so good, uh, good. yeah, that was great. Um, like I said, I just, I love to see, I, I, like I said, to me, that game, they just bullied them. They just went out I, and bullied I, the Ducks. I wish I could have seen a, a, a shot of uh, Utah cheering after yeah, the Sars. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Especially they were cheering in Colorado's stadium. I just think that's great. <laughs> was even Colorado was cheering? No. Well, I mean, possibly, because they probably hate the Ducks. Well, oh, they do hate the Ducks. <laughs> They've hated the Ducks since the 90s. So, so you know, I, I well, it was like when, when, they, when uh, the Huskies beat uh, the Ducks here a couple weeks ago and how Reese are you yeah. know? Yeah, and it makes me wonder, are there other stadiums that when they get that news, do they, do they cheer as well? About the Ducks, I mean, so, I'm sure they probably cheer for yeah. for their rivals, but I I I am so here here's the thing, Beach. I was talking to my neighbor across the street, and uh, he's a Washington State fan. Okay, but he doesn't hate the Huskies, but he's a Washington State mm-hmm. fan. The two teams he hates are Michigan because he hates Jim Harbaugh, the head coach, and the why, Ducks. Why 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 is, why is Harbaugh hated so much? He just doesn't like the guy. He thinks he's Didn't a Har- where Harbaugh, Harbaugh was coach of Stanford, wasn't he? Yeah, he was for a while. Harbaugh is just kind of an asshole. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a good football coach, but he's got an asshole. I can see why people don't he, like he him. He was a quarterback for the uh, Bears, wasn't he? Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, he was also a quarterback at Michigan before he went to the Bears. But anyways, um, gotcha. uh, so he hates he hates Michigan and he hates the Ducks, right? So he was excited when the Beavs won on Saturday and – he had buddies come like, is that great? He goes, yeah, I know my neighbor who lives across the streets is going to be loving life right now. But then he's like halfway through the game. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't want the ducks going to 
the Pac-12 championship game. So he goes, I kind of don't want Washington State to win. He goes, my hate of the Ducks is more than my love of Washington State winning this game. Right? And he was telling me this. And I go, I go, you know, I, I go, I've been in this dilemma before. Because people have asked me, what would you do if the Ducks winning a game had to happen for to help the Beavs out? And I said, I basically say I never would root for the Ducks to win a game. Now, if they were playing Cal, I might root for Cal to lose. Mm-hmm. But I would never root for the Ducks to win. Exactly. Yeah. Um, fine line, a fine line in the logic there, but it's sound. It works for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps my conscience clean. Um, but uh, yeah. So, cause, and he, we, we were both the same way. I'm like, I was the same way too. I go, I don't want it to be Oregon and USC in the PAC 12 championship game because I'm not going to root for either of those teams. Oh yeah, absolutely. S- screw them both. USC is a bunch of traitors and, and you know, leaving. So screw those guys. And obviously and, screw and, the and, ducks. And, and, and wiping their asses on the beaver that after the game, that was yeah. just still just pisses me off. Yeah. So F those guys. So one, so uncalled for you proved it on the scoreboard. There was no need to come back out. Yep. So screw, screw those guys. So like I said, I, now I can at least root for Utah. Absolutely. So what'd you think so, of that, that tailgater beach? Dude, it was, it was pretty good. It was, you know, it was, it was a short one considering what we've normally been. At. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine today. And I said, you know, we had great weather for almost every tailgate. Yeah. There was only one where it was kind of drizzly. It, it drizzled but, early, but then it stopped. Yeah. I mean, so it, this this was just an absolute great season in general. Mm-hmm. But I thought the tailgater went well. I was a little worried that uh, people weren't going to show up there early enough just because, you know, we were shutting down at 1130. And uh, no, it was great. It was it was fun. A lot of I, I what we have about a hundred people show up. I I made um right around a hundred sandwiches. Okay. Yeah, ninety something I think. Okay. No, it was good. So not 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 too bad. No. Uh, Considered an early game and a half and a and a half constructed stadium. Yeah. So. Uh, the chili the the you know uh, somebody said I heard from somebody said. This sandwich was a lot better than the last sandwich. And I'm like, well, I can't see that being different other than maybe the warm. The warm uh, whiz, I think, was great. I think it changed it. I, I think do too. things improved. I do, too. And that's going to be yeah. what we do every time from now on. Yeah, no. And I thought my little uh, uh, my little picture I posted on Facebook of uh, how a cheese stick is made. I thought was, that was uh, great. I thought that was great. Yeah. So... All right, Beach. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about the Pac-12 and the polls that came out today. In the AP poll, USC moved up to number four. Utah, or Washington moved up to number nine. Utah to number 12. Oregon is at 15. Oregon State at 16. And UCLA at 17. Now, in the uh, coaches' poll, USC again at 4, Washington at 9, Utah at 12, Oregon at 15, Oregon State 16, UCLA 17. So the exact same rankings on both polls. Now, why is – All six uh, Pac-12 teams. Now, why is uh, Washington ahead of Utah? 
Um, well, Washington is nine and two or ten and two, and Utah's nine and three. Okay, okay. But one of one of Utah's losses is out of conference. And they, and they Washington and Utah and Washington and Utah never played each other, correct? Correct. So we Washington, don't have a head to head to compare them. Washington didn't play Utah or USC this year. Mm, they kind of got lucky. They had a good schedule, yeah. Yeah, two two of the teams that, yeah, I mean, if and again, you look at who Oregon State beat or lost to, and it's to the teams above us. We didn't lose to any teams below. Correct. You know, they they took USC to the limit. They mm-hmm. they took Washington to the limit, literally losing in the final seconds, and mm-hmm. then Utah Utah slapped them around pretty good. But other than yeah. that, no. Yeah. Other than that, no. Uh, you know, and nine and three. Um. And with the possibility of 10, 10 wins, it's only be the third time in, pack, in uh, Beaver history. The first time, obviously, being in 2000 when the Beavs went 11 and 1 and won the Fiesta Bowl. And in 2006, when they went 10 and 4 and won in the Sun Bowl over Missouri. And that year, they played uh, an extra game because uh, in the early 2000s, they added a 12th game to give them the possibility of playing 13 if they went to a bowl game. And in 2006, they played an out-of-conference game at Hawaii. And Mm -hmm. if you play an out-of-conference game at Hawaii, you can get an extra non-conference game to encourage teams to play non-conference games at Hawaii. Because they struggled. Because Because they struggled to get guys there, yeah. So the Bees played actually 14 games that year. So so do you have a list of what potential bowl games we could have, Billy? Oh, I do. But let's, before we do that, let's talk about this week's Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week, let's discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And Beach, on Saturday, we talked about a potential jackass award. Yes. About the recruit for uh, – it was a team in Florida. Do you remember who it was? Was it Miami? Uh, I thought it was maybe the Miami – I thought it was uh, – was it University of Florida? Maybe it was It was a team in Florida. They had a recruit um, that had committed quarterback, um, white kid, and uh, he posted a video of himself singing one of his favorite um, hip-hop songs, contained the N-word, People flipped out, so they revoked the offer. And we thought that was a probably going to be our jackass of the week award. But it's not, Beach. Not, not, not for the kid, but for the school. For the school, yeah, because that's stupid. Yeah, because right, because the kid, the kids just sing along with the song that he likes. And you know, you sing a lot. I mean, I sing songs about uh, screwing women, which never happens to me. About drinking, which never happens to me, and doing drugs, which never happens to me. Exactly. But I still sing the lyrics because I like the song. Exactly. You know, I, 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 I can mimic some Eminem on occasion, and Eminem and I have nothing in common at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm but, the same way. But I will sing along because I like the song. It's got a good hook. It's got it's it's you know it's it's engaging and and I I I will rip nobody for lipping or mimicking a song that they like uh, even if it says words that are inappropriate exactly uh the n-word is not a word i choose to use myself but if it's in a song and i'm singing the lyrics i'll sing it absolutely yeah and and for them to to rescind the offer uh for a scholarship because of a video yeah 
I, I just think that shows you how hypersensitive and stupid people are anymore. But and, and, and they, they need to just step up and say, I'm sorry, we're not because what it becomes is a bunch of social justice warriors go and attack these things. But the fact is, the social justice warriors have no impact bottom line of any of those organizations. No, no, we're going to boy. No, you don't. Five of you. Yeah, no, you don't. Because like you guys I don't care. do it. You guys don't yeah, do anything like, anyway. Uh, like I care. You, you get on your computer and yeah, you, you, you type gonna shit. Yeah, you're going to change your profile. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna little put a little ring around your profile picture on Facebook that says you care or you hate about something. Yeah. That's that's all you're gonna do. That that really doesn't change the outcome of the world at all. But it makes you feel good. So hopefully you feel happy and, and joyous about yourself yep. for doing nothing. You're not willing to invest your time, your money, or your efforts, but you're willing to change your profile picture to show that you care more than somebody else does. Yeah. Way to go. Nice job. But that's not our jackass of the week. No, it's not. Who is our jackass of the week, Billy? Well, Beach. Have you heard of Duck linebacker DJ Johnson? I I know of DJ Johnson. Do you know of DJ Johnson? I well, Beach, you did see a I video. I saw a video of DJ Johnson. Okay, Beach. Well, the number nine Oregon Ducks obviously fell to the number twenty-one Oregon State Beavers on Saturday, thirty-eight to thirty-four, and tensions. What was, what was that score again? Thirty-eight to thirty-four Beavers. And ten, oh, one, one more time. I'm just looking for my right. What was that? 38 to 34 beeves. Hold on. I'm a little too excited now. Yeah. I got it. Got, 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 no, got. <laughs> again, again, tensions escalated quickly following a loss that dropped Dan Lanning's squad to 9-3. and three. Now, after the Ducks blew a 21-point lead to Oregon State, Beaver fans stormed the field. And that's when things got a little dicey. While walking off the field at Research Stadium, Ducks linebacker DJ Johnson appeared to punch an Oregon State fan in the back of the head before being dragged away from the situation by Oregon staffers. Now, Oregon's athletic administration said on Sunday it's gathering information after the video surfaced showing the linebacker um, striking the Oregon State that looked what appears to be an Oregon State student after the game. And they issued a statement that said, quote, we are aware of a post-game exchange involving a member of our football team and a fan and are working to gather more information. End quote. Now, Oregon State spokesman Steve Clark issued a statement to the AP that said, quote, we are aware of this matter and are confident that the Pac-12 conference and the University of Oregon will investigate this matter and deal with it appropriately. Clark also said the university did not know the identity of the person who was punched and hoped the person was not injured. He also said no complaint had been filed with the university's police department as of Sunday afternoon. Now, Johnson, a six-year senior, posted three tackles in Saturday's loss. That's a loss speech when the Ducks lost to the Beavs. By, by how much, Billy? 38 to 34. They lost. Okay. Okay. Bringing, uh, bringing his season total to six sacks, 36 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, and two pass breakups in 11 games. Yes, Beach. Now, one, should the fans have been on the field? No. No. That, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I don't support fans going on the field I don't, anytime I, at all. Anytime personally. at all. I am too. And the fans yeah. have been really good this season about waiting. I think they gave them a minute. Mm-hmm. Like give them a minute to to clear the field, and the fans mm-hmm. for I think pretty much all season have been really good about waiting. Yep, that minute to go on the field. They didn't on Saturday. Now this was the rivalry game, formerly known as the Civil War. Oregon was also ranked number ninth. 
and the Bees have come back down 21 points. Pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I understand that. Now, you've watched the video. I've watched the video. It does look like the kid walks by and maybe says something. I heard he gave him maybe a salute with a finger. No, he kind of puts his hand up to his head. I, I didn't I didn't see any one-fingered salutes. Okay. But he, it looks like he said something. And like the bitch he is, he let the kid walk one or two steps past him and then looks like he hits him in the back of the head. Or yeah, maybe, that, or maybe that was, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If, if you're going to punch a guy, punch him forward. Don't punch him in the back of the head. Unless you're a bitch. Yeah, that, that's what bothered me the most. Kind of reminded me was... of LeGarrette Blunt of the Ducks at exactly. Boise State. Oh, I don't like what you said. Now I'm going to punch you in the back of the head. And I don't care what the kid said. Yeah. I doubt the kid said anything using the N-word that we talked about earlier. And, well, Another and it was, nap, it was, you know. The, the exchange was so short. Yeah. How much? What could have been said? Yeah. That you can be like, well, you know what? I'm on the Oregon football team. You're not. You know what I mean? I mean, you know. I play. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be my attitude. If I was, even if I lose the game, I'm on the field. You had to storm it. Yeah. You're a bitch in the seats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I'll admit I'm a bitch in the seats, but I also don't jump on the field either after I win. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, yeah. and, and, but, and again, so I, I do have a lot of respect for the guys who are playing the game. Oh, I do too. Um, and, and I, and I would say anything to them because you know, and, and again, I'm a firm believer. You don't need to say anything. The scoreboard says, Billy, what was the score again? 38 to 34 Beavers. That's all that needs to be said. Exactly. I, <laughs> I am too. That's I am literally, too. that's all that needs to be said. You don't need to make smart alley comments. The guy just lost a game that was very important to him. But but even you if know? he did, it's walk away. He should, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, you know that was one thing that I think um, there, there was that one skirmish today because or uh during the game emotions ran high offsetting personal fouls right yeah where there was some fighting going on and 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 i appreciate that but i felt like for the most part this whole season that oregon state didn't have the mental errors that we've had in the past no for the most part yeah i mean yeah i i just you know i just feel like uh our our you know uh time management i mean all, all the all the stupid mistakes the 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 mental errors, the, the, we just, we didn't seem to have a lot of stupid penalties. Yeah, no, I tend to agree uh, with that. Yeah. So no. And I, and I think that I, I cite that a lot with coaching. I always wonder, you know, when you start looking at all the ins and outs and the rules of football, you know, and all the things you got to prepare for of what you might not be aware of. And they seem to have a pretty good grasp on all those rules when you're seeing them play, mm-hmm. right? There's sometimes where you see some teams, you're like going, uh, didn't you know that was a live ball or didn't you know that was, you know, you, you just kind of wonder and they just seem to have a really good grasp on what's going on. And, and again, and I kudos to the coaching staff because I think they've really done a good job of hammering home the importance of keeping cool. Don't do stupid things. Um, there was a, a moment I saw on the big screen on Saturday where uh, something happened and, and a beaver said something to a duck and the ref chased him down and reprimanded him well yeah and you see that they'll they'll jump in between them a lot and sometimes if you watch the tv coverage you'll see like especially with dbs and and wide receivers and stuff they'll be Uh chattering back and forth but half the time they're like smiling at each other (laughs) because they're just ripping on each other they're just they're just talking to your mom told me last night (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) exactly but anyways 
duck linebacker DJ Johnson for being a bitch and trying to hit somebody in the back of the head. You get this week's. <laughs> Jackass of the week. Yeah. And it was funny because yeah. there was two uh, ducks uh, personnel, staff of some kind, that as soon as that happened, grabbed him and were ushering him away and told him he can't do that. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, though, my, my own take on things, I, I hate frivolous lawsuits and I hate bullshit things. So hopefully if the guy didn't get hurt, which I'm assuming he didn't, mm-hmm. he kind of turned around. He didn't look like he was injured that much. No. And and I get tired of the frivolous lawsuits and all that crap. I hope it just goes away. Yeah. Well, I mean, but he should guy, still get in trouble for doing that. Well, yeah. Uh, is now, but he's a six year senior. So what are they going to do? Keep him out the first half of the, of the, of the uh, bowl game that they're going to get. Yeah. I don't care. Kick him off the team. He doesn't get any bowl game swag. Mm. Still being a bitch. Anyways, beach. It is now time to move on to the musical interlude. Double, double, double secret suspension, Billy. Double top double secret probation. Secret. Yes. That's what we're going to do. All right. I'm like Dean Wormer. All right. Uh, it's now time for the, <laughs> get that animal animal house reference. I got, I got it. I got it. All right. Time for the musical interlude of the week. This week, Beach, we're going to let Dano pick. Listener Ooh. Dano. He asked. He had a song he wanted to suggest. And I said, yeah, why don't you go for it? So, Beach, um, have you ever heard of the band Clutch? No. Okay. So, um, I've heard of Clutch. I've listened to some Clutch. I have actually uh, have some Clutch on my playlist because um, I heard of them on uh, Ozzy's Boneyard on XM. Okay. So, Beach, uh, this is what Dan- Dano says, and it's about the song Firebirds. Now, the song Firebirds actually has an exclamation point at the end of it. Hmm. So, this is what Dano says. He says, So, I had something proper all queued up describing how this song is the second track of Clutch's 11th studio album, Psychic Warfare. And it was recorded down the road from me in 2015 in Dripping Springs, Texas. Just, I found that name interesting. That Dripping Springs, sounds Texas. Sounds like a brothel. Yeah, something. All right, Daniel continues. And how it's about the same character as in the opening track, X-Ray Vision. Now fleeing the scene of a destroyed motel. And how he picks up this mysterious and attractive hitchhiker on his way through Southern California on his way to Mexico. So, Beach, the, the album is kind of telling a story all the songs kind of tell a story okay okay kind of like the kind of like the who's tommy a little bit so that's what he said okay. the, the character in x-ray vision um is now in this song right and so uh he picks up this mysterious hitchhiker now this gorgeous woman desperately needs a hot rod and advanced weaponry for reasons unknown and at the end she sadly leaves our hero because as she puts it in the third verse quote there are two things you are lacking Probably hot wad and weaponry. Now, lead singer and songwriter Neil Fallon almost scrapped the idea because it sounded like too much of a cliche stoner rock movie poster. But then he decided to embrace it, put it on steroids, and have some fun with it. The Datsun mentioned in the second verse is an homage to his family car growing up that they would take annual road trips in. A sparkle green 710 station wagon. Nice. Now, in the third verse, he needed another city besides Needles to close the song out. And when he asked his crew, who were predominantly from Southern California, about the gnarliest town in the area, everyone, without blinking an eye and in unison, said Barstow. So that's how Barstow becomes 
comes in the end of the song. Okay. Now, similar to how Guns N' Roses had alternate lyrics for their mega ballad Don't Cry off the Use Your Illusion albums, mm-hmm. Dano thinks there's an alternate interpretation to this song, and it goes like this. Oregon State just set fire to the Dirty Birds. Chances of winning the Pac-12, FTD, go Beavs. I'll have to listen to the song, but I, I think I might be able to. I think I might be able to hear that. Hear that, right? Okay, Beach. So with that, here is "Firebirds" by Clutch. do like clutch it's a great band i like oh it's great um uh if you haven't heard a lot of clutch i would also suggest um what's it called dc sound attack i think is that a song or an album or dc sound attack it's a uh, song by clutch okay and that's the first song i heard by them that i heard it and i go damn i kind of like that song 
And then I started looking into more clutch. Mm. So, anyways, good band, good hard rock band. You just don't hear a lot of, not a lot of bands like that around anymore. Yeah. And that's more my kind of music. All right, Beach. So we only have one game to look at this week, the Pac-12 Championship Week Preview. The game will be played on Friday, December 2nd, Utah versus USC in Las Vegas. You know, I think Utah is gonna is just gonna rip USC up. You think I, so? I just I I think Utah I think USC is incredibly overrated. And I think Utah is a fantastic team and truly I think they're the best team in the back twelve. So that really? that's my, my honest take. And uh, I think it's going to be proven on the field on Saturday. Well, Kyle sent us an email. It says, a whole lot of news, but it's been a great few days to be a beaver. It was weird to see you two pop up in my friend's photo. So, yeah. So, uh, we had somebody else sitting beside us that we didn't know. and no, he, he, was, he was beside and up from us, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think he was right beside uh, oh, Greg. No, he was right next to me. Yeah. 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 No, that's right, because yeah. I moved seats. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, he was right next to you. And right beside our seats and he sent a picture to Kyle and Kyle's looking at going like, God, that kind of looks like beach. <laughs> and so he sent this picture to, to us and he goes, that guy looks like beach. I'm like, no, that is beach. And I go, and that's Greg. Cause I could see Greg's hat and I go, and if you look on the very edge of the picture above Greg's head, you can see me with my beaver head on and my phone out. Cause I was filming the end of the game. And he was like, that's hilarious. So we sat by a friend of Kyle's, just, you know, weirdly out there what, in the Racer what, Stadium. What was, what was Kyle's what, – what did he say about us to Kyle? He, he was intense? We were intense, yeah. yeah he said those guys were intense. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's been said before. So. Um, but anyways, Kyle's continues. USC versus Utah. I think USC has the manpower and momentum to win. USC, but I'll be rooting for Utah. And I appreciate that. Looking at it, you know, Utah beat them in the regular season at the end of the game by like a point. And if I've got to pick a winner, I would probably say USC will win. But like Kyle, I'll be damned rooting hard for Utah to win. I don't think Utah's going to leave any doubt. Hey, if I'm wrong, great. I'll be happy. Happily be wrong on this one. I I say, so, so if we want to pick points, I say Utah by 11. Really? Yes. Wow. All right. We'll go. We'll see how that works. Mm-hmm. All right, Beach. Anything else to add this week? Uh, well, uh, other than somebody at the Woodburn Public Works Department needs to get their ass fired. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we had a, it's a great year of Beaver football with a bowl game to play. A great year of games at Research Stadium. They've all been incredibly enjoyable and a great year of tailgating yeah you, you know uh, yeah i i would have to say overall um this has been probably my my favorite season ever other than the the fiesta bowl season i i kind of tend to agree with that i mean and and i have to say the the tailgating was probably some of the funnest we've had oh, ever they've been great uh, yeah and again the weather the everything the only thing i wish we would have had was maybe a couple of more 
like three or four o'clock games. Yeah, I agree. But but uh, other than that, I, I have no complaints. I am excited though that I get to relax a little bit for a few months. I am too. <laughs> I so am too. hey, so are we going to uh, are we going to do any tailgate for baseball? I know that was mentioned to us on Saturday. Maybe we'll think about it. It all depends. It all depends on schedule and how things are working out, and also we weather because I don't want to tailgate for baseball games in the rain through that so we should tell people that on our next uh, podcast about our little episode when we tailgated our first game that we i was reminded of oh we will we'll we'll talk about that at the uh, uh on the next show okay it'll be the the be, be one of the classic beach moments of, of, of my life here there you go there you go <laughs> well i want to thank everyone to listening to show number 189 of the legal participation if you'd like to comment send a suggestion or ask a question there's a few ways to get in touch with us heinert tailgater at gmail.com at heinert tailgater on twitter heinert tailgater on facebook remember listen subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, Stitcher radio spotify iheart radio as always leave a rating review beach billy it was a perfect weekend and a great weekend to be a beaver. What was that score again, Billy? 38 to 34 beaves. Yeah, we're going to now. Okay, all right. <laughs> and on that note, here's a great big go beaves. For I, I have I have these moments of like just like I'm just sitting there and then all of a sudden I'm like I get giddy. I know. You know? <laughs> um when Greg and I went and took the tent down last night, I just kept thinking, I can't believe they won the son of a bitch. Uh-huh. I can't believe they won that son of a bitch. I, I like I said, I was so ready for the loss. I mean, I'm just like, this is this just sucks. I was really thinking we could win this one. Yeah. And 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 like I said, that just score, score. You know, how do you how do you how do you eat a big shit shit sandwich one bite at a time? Pretty much, yeah. So you're gonna do it during the recording or after? Because you're gonna say, "Beach, how are you doing?" I'll be like, "Billy, you're not gonna believe this shit." <laughs> All right then. I was having a drink of water. <laughs> I don't know, I don't even want to know what you're doing. <laughs> I move I removed a rib. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. You finally made it. You finally made it. <laughs> you and Ron Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right. 
under new coach. They issued a statement that said, quote, we are aware of a post-game exchange involving, involving a member of our football team and a fan now feeling the scene Utah versus UCLA. I like beer. 